What is up, everyone? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show where real people open up and share real stories of struggle. What is up, everyone? Thank you for tuning into this episode. This is my story, uh, my talk from the Happiness Co. Breakthrough to Happiness Weekend that they held uh, last weekend here in Perth. Their live event, 100 people in a room for two days, transforming the shit out of themselves. It was beautiful, it was amazing, it was profound, and I'm stoked that Julian and Robbie gave me the opportunity to get up there and speak to those people. Um, If this message resonates with you, uh, if you buy into my mission and my uh, what I view as my mission of making mental health mainstream, then please uh, share this with anyone that you think needs it. Uh, give give it a like, give it a follow. I'd love for you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, um, and all the other platforms that we're on. It'd mean the most to us. Uh, it'd help us expand our reach and get these stories to the people that need it most. Appreciate you all. Ciao. Sometimes when I close my eyes, I'd see his dick. And if you're a guy, you close your eyes and you see that, you can't help but question, am I gay? Like, am I gay? And so what I've come to realize about that is that that is part of the driving force behind why I needed to cheat. I needed to prove that I wasn't gay his life around. I've never actually heard his story in full, but I have major respect for him, love for him, because he has the courage to do what most don't. He has the courage to do what most don't. And everyone that stood up here today has been sharing their vulnerability, but he's going to share some stuff that men just don't share. And all, who by a show of hands has a man in their life? A dad, a brother, an uncle? We all have a man somewhere in our life, right? Men are all kind of fucked up. <laughs> because the truth is that we're told from the earliest age what to not. Cry. Cry. Don't be a girl. Don't show your feelings. We're told to be someone not from our earliest age. And when we get to this age, the, the catastrophic truth is it's the biggest killer of men under the age of 45, which is suicide. 90% of your pain comes from trapped emotions. 90% of your pain comes from trapped emotions. Men don't deal with it well and they make a choice. That's a choice you can never come back from. So... Can I please get a massive, outstanding round of applause for watching? Love you, bro. Good luck. Don't break my stage. First of all, uh, Anastasia, that beautiful girl that got up here, close friend of mine. Love you, so proud of you. Be proud of yourself, please. Um. <laughs> so what I'm going to open with today is something that I, I rarely ever share, especially publicly. And it's something that I'll share and continue uh, to expound upon moving forward. It's something, a part of my story, a part of me, that is going to cost me relationships with people that I love and care about because it's a part of me that I've been hiding and 
I feel that if I'm going to be this man who I believe I'm going to be, who's going to make mental health mainstream, then I need to be completely vulnerable and authentic. Because if I'm not sharing this part of my story, then the manipulation just continues. I just manipulate and deceive you because like some sort of vulnerability magician, I'm just allowing you to see what I want you to see. And that's what vulnerability and authenticity is about. Showing everyone your flaws, exposing every bit of you, no matter how terrible, no matter how horrible. Uh, and just flowing with that and accepting the consequences, accepting responsibility for your actions. So as a team, I was with a girl who I was consistently told was the hottest girl in high school. I was stoked. I was always a fat kid, so I was so proud of myself to get her. Um, and although I got her, although she was sporty, artistic, smart, beautiful, I cheated on her like it was a sport. I cheated on her a couple times a week. And it was like a sport to me. It was like an addiction. But the worst thing was that I didn't understand why I felt this need to cheat. I just couldn't put my finger on why I had this girl that I dreamed of having, this beautiful, talented girl, and why I felt the need to have more. And so, because I was this cheater, I became a compulsive liar, compulsive manipulator, because I needed to keep that part of me hidden. I needed to keep her. And so anyone, any woman, who even dare spoke to my partner about us hooking up, about me playing up with cheating, I fucking destroyed them. I became this puppet master playing with people's strings. I became Thanos, destroyer of worlds and relationships. Straight up, nobody else mattered. Um, and because I was that person, because I was that person to the women that I was cheating with to keep that part of me hidden while also masquerading as this good guy, nice boyfriend, I began feeling like a fraud. Like I went to sleep every night knowing that I was being a pig, knowing that I was hurting her, knowing that she would be hurt if she found out, knowing that I was destroying these relationships, these lives. And because of this deep knowing that I was a fraud and knowing that no one else besides me and my close friends knew it, I developed this deep sense of self-hate and self-loathing. And that just got worse and worse. It eventually got to a point where I became dependent on alcohol and drugs. I began selling drugs. I became a mess and I became this bottle of vodka at night chased by three to four pills sort of mess. I became this wake up, eat a pill for breakfast, eat a pill for smoko sort of mess. And although that was my escape from self-hate, it only made things worse because I'm sure as some of you will know, if you get fucked up to that level, any inhibition, any guilt, any sliver of morality goes out the window. And so I only cheated more, only lied and manipulated more. And so I hated myself more. And I just made an even bigger mess. I kept making that mess, kept lying, manipulating, cheating, until finally it caught up with me. 
my best friend at the time sent me a message and I still remember this to this day and it still makes me feel sick I remember reading it and it's saying you fucking pig don't you ever talk to my girlfriend again and this was someone that I truly loved someone that I really cared about one of the most beautiful souls I've met to this day and he just found out that I've been dirty texting his partner for the last couple of months up until that point I've been content like I said to destroy anyone who got in my way anyone who threatened my false reality I was quite happy to do whatever I had to to manipulate everyone around me to hate that one person and I did but with him I couldn't because I knew the sort of person he was and I knew that I fucked up my life and so it sounds like this is where consequences come but they don't I ignored the situation, I avoided him, and ultimately I avoided everything by booking a one-way ticket from Auckland, from Auckland to Kalgoorlie. I did that under the guise that I was moving away, again, that mask of the nice guy, good boyfriend, moving away to set me and my girlfriend up for our future, um, make good money, buy us a house, bullshit story. But one week later, I was in Kalgoorlie, and I was about to start my FIFO journey. The most significant thing about that, though, is that I felt like I'd successfully run away from my mess, run away from my problems. And I hadn't faced any of it, none of it at all. And to this day, I still haven't faced any of it. And that's why I'm sharing this. I'm sharing this because I need to I need to accept responsibility. I need to welcome the consequences. And like I said, I don't want to be that magician. I don't want to let you see what I want you to see. I want you to see all of me and accept me for that person. And if you don't, that's fine. I have to accept that I have to accept responsibility for what I've done, the way that I've treated people. But this is the beautiful thing about growth. It's the beautiful thing about vulnerability and authenticity is that from this moment on, I can move forward knowing that I don't have to hide anything. This is the last thing that I have to uncover, the last bit of me that I'm ashamed of. And so moving forward from here, whether you like it or not, whether you accept me or not, I can be 100% raw, authentic, honestly me. And so if there's anyone sitting here right now who has something that they need to get off their chest, then please, either today or tomorrow, make an attempt to get that off your chest. Free yourself of that baggage and move forward as the person that you want to be. So I'm just grateful to be able to share that with you guys. Obviously, this is going to be a process for me moving forward especially the conversations that I'm going to have, uh, the relationships that I'm going to lose. It's, oh shit. <laughs> it's going to be hard, but whatever comes, I deserve it. And that's the beauty in taking responsibility, is because when you put yourself out there, when you accept responsibility for your life, and when the shit stuff comes back at you as a result of your actions, 
you can take it because you know that you deserve it and you know you're going to move forward as someone that you want to be. So, switching gears. <laughs> switching gears, I'm going to fast forward five years. And yes, I only get worse as a man. So, prepare yourself. Um, fast forward five years, I've been working in the FIFO industry for that time. I've got a new partner, been together for, for a couple of years. We now move from Kalgoorlie to Perth. And although we know absolutely no one there, we're excited about the future, excited about the lifestyle, excited about being around the beach because I don't know if you ever been to Kalgoorlie, but there ain't no beaches there. <laughs> <laughs> And we were excited. Uh, I had an amazing job working five days away, two days back, two and a half K in the hand every week. And I was pumped with my life. I had friends there, I had purpose. I loved it, I was proud of myself. But my partner wasn't. She wasn't at all. And looking back now, she was deeply, deeply depressed. You see, any time I went away, I was going back to that friend group. I was going back to free gym, people cleaning my room, free food, purpose and identity. But for her, when I left, it meant being alone in a city that she didn't really know. For her, me going away meant the only people that she connected with were the people that she worked with. And the only other time she got support was a half an hour that we were on the phone at night while she fell asleep because she couldn't fall asleep otherwise. And it eventually got to a point where she began threatening to take her life if I didn't come back. And for me, like you've just heard. Hello. The battery ran out during filming, so there's about one minute, uh, about a one minute gap, and I'll fill that in uh, pretty quickly now. Give me a second. So I got to the point where my partner at the time was now threatened to commit suicide. And me being the FIFO worker, having all of my identity, uh, my purpose, and that feeling of being worthy and enough, tied up in being a FIFO worker, making a lot of money, working really hard, being a scaff bro, I found it really hard to understand her point of view. And because of the people that I was around, because of them saying that uh, it was more than likely a ploy for attention, I took on that mentality and that mindset and I didn't go home. Even when she finally attempted to take her life, I still didn't go home. Instead, I ended up harboring hatred for the woman that I thought was trying to take away my purpose, trying to take the only thing that validated me away, which was, instead, I harbored hatred for the woman that I felt was trying to take FIFO away from me, trying to take away my identity as the scaff bro, working hard, making a lot of money. And because of that, because I had that hatred, because I had that mentality, my identity was so wrapped up in being that person, I didn't have the empathy, I didn't have the awareness and the understanding, the vulnerability within myself to acknowledge the fact that this woman was just suffering. She was just suffering and she just needed connection. She needed the support of the man that she loved. And unfortunately, you know, I wasn't a man, I was that mess of a boy. But moving on from there, instead of coming home when she finally attempted suicide, I did the complete opposite. I uh, extended 
I extended that five days away to four weeks away. And so as you can imagine, spending four weeks away, if she was like that with five days, it only got worse. And it eventually got to the point where it becomes so toxic. And I become that selfish, lying, manipulative boy who had wandering eyes again. And we eventually split. But uh, what I didn't understand about my relationships up until that point, up until that separation with her, Lachlan, you can take it from here, right? Having a partner there on the side meant that anytime I was feeling low about myself, I could go back like a validation servo. I could go back, refill, and then go and do what I had to. And so when we split, I fell apart. I began experiencing depression and experiencing depression on site when you're doing four and one, that's not a good space to be in. I eventually got forced to resign because at that time, no one really understood depression. No one had any empathy for depression. I was forced to resign and like six hours later, six hours after signing that bit of paper, I was back in Perth, big old house. They cost an arm and a leg. No friends, no family, no partner, no job. Most importantly, I didn't really have an identity. I wasn't this guy in a relationship. And I was no longer the hardworking FIFO scaff bro making a lot of money. I was still in good shape. I was still the gym junkie. But I was lost. And I remember that night being alone in that house, sleeping on that couch. I remember feeling truly alone. That's the first time. First time I ever felt truly alone. And moving on from there, I just dug myself a hole. I dug deeper into depression. I doubled down on my need for validation because I got in even better shape. I abused steroids. And I got as much attention from as many women as I could. I was desperate. Desperate, because that's all I had left. Now, two months into this desperation, I was in New Zealand for New Year's with a girl that flew over from Canada to be with me. And I get a call from my ex. She says, Lachlan, I'm pregnant. My reaction was, fuck you. No, you're not. Why are you doing this to me? You're just trying to keep me in your life. I don't want it. I don't want you. And so for the next eight weeks, I tried to force her into an abortion. I tried to force her into an abortion and we agreed. And I remember getting a call after her first scan. I remember her calling me and telling me, I heard the heartbeat. I can't do it, I'm in love. And the same reaction. I hated her. I thought she was only doing this to ruin my chance with this beautiful Canadian girl or some of the beautiful girls that I was with in Perth. I thought she was doing this to keep me in her life. I thought she was doing this to ruin my chance at going back to FIFO. And so I treated her like shit for her whole pregnancy. And looking, looking back now at that pregnant woman, knowing that she was living alone and I'd be on the phone to her making her cry while she was alone in her bed with a baby in her belly. My heart fucking aches for her. 
but that's the sort of man I was. That's the sort of man I was. I didn't care about anyone but me. No one at all. And so fast forward to when baby's born and everything sort of flips. I'm no longer this guy in good shape, so I'm no longer getting attention from women. I'm overweight. I've spent most of my FIFO savings. I put nearly all of it, 75K, into a business venture that I had no right even attempting because I was so scared to go back to FIFO as half the man I left as. Baby's born, we begin creating this relationship. And now, because I'm no longer in shape, I'm no longer the FIFO worker, I'm not in a relationship. I cling to the last straw of identity that I had, which is being a dad. At three month mark, my ex decides that it's time for them to move over east because she associates Perth with the pain, the suffering, and the hurt that I caused her. And at this point, I've got a little bit of empathy, a little bit of self-awareness, and so I can acknowledge the fact that I've hurt her that much, that she needs to move interstate to get away from me. And so I agree, and they go, but what I don't understand at that point about having a kid is that when you have a kid, it's like having a piece of your heart exist outside of your chest. And so when they went, they took that with them and along with that piece of my heart, they took the last bit of identity. And so I was lost, absolutely had no purpose. I dug myself deep into depression, too scared to go back to FIFO so I couldn't afford for the debt I got myself into. I couldn't afford child support, yada, yada, yada. I got myself into a hole and I began borrowing money Thousands of my parents, hundreds of my brother who was still doing four and one. And then when I got to my auntie, I got to my auntie and I remember her giving me a hundred dollars. I remember her giving me a hundred dollars and I remember thinking, this woman has never had money her entire life. She spent the majority of her adult life in poverty and you are taking a hundred dollars from a woman you know cannot afford to give it to you. That's when that cog clicked over in my head. That's when I realized I'd become a burden, not just financially, but emotionally as well. And that's when the conversation started. That's when I started telling myself that it'd be better for the people that I love if I wasn't here. My parents wouldn't want a piece of shit, son. My daughter sure as hell doesn't want to have to tell her friends about her loser dad. So I obsessed, obsessed about that thought for weeks. Wake up every morning with it, go to sleep every night with it, wake up at night thinking about it, fantasizing about it, fantasizing about not being here. Did that for weeks until one day I woke up and everything was calm. And if you've ever been in those sort of depths, if you've ever been in that bit of despair and hated yourself to that extent, to wake up and everything be fine, it's just fucking strange. But looking back now, I understand it's because I've become content with the decision that I made. That morning I went out, grabbed the rope, strung it up, put a little wooden crate down, stepped up, put my head through and stepped off. 
I remember that rope hitting my neck. And I remember, even when I close my eyes, I can see it clear as day. I remember seeing my daughter walking to school, holding her mother's hand, pink Paw Patrol backpack, the pigtails, and the pink hair tie. And I remember thinking, holy shit, if you do this, she's never gonna have a father's hand to hold. She's never gonna know love from the man who gave her life and for her entire life, she's gonna feel like she was never good enough for you to stick around. And so, unlike many, I was lucky enough to get myself out of that situation. I was lucky enough to get my foot to that crate and to get down. I remember collapsing, collapsing on the ground in a heap. I remember sobbing, I remember crying. And in that moment, I remember deciding to put my daughter first. And that's the first time in my entire life that I put someone before me. First time ever. I decided in that moment that I would stop living as Thanos. That I would move forward living for her that I would strive, that I'd be relentless in my pursuit of becoming the best version of myself as a man, as a human, but most importantly as a father, so that she had someone to guide her, so that she had someone to bring her up, to hold her hand, to give her kisses and cuddles, to tell her that she's enough. And that's what I've been doing. I've been relentless in that pursuit. It's been full of ebbs and flows. It took me a year to open up. It took me a year to share my story because I thought I was weak. I thought I was a pussy. When I did, I realized that people were reaching out, asking for help. I realized that it wasn't just me suffering. So I started a closed Facebook group. From there, I started the podcast where I've now interviewed over 80 people about the worst shit that they've been through and how they've overcome it. We've been through murder, rape, abortion, everything deep, all the way to the stuff like I am not good enough, body image issues and anxiety. The purpose of the podcast is to show people who are suffering that they're not alone by giving them someone to resonate with, giving them someone to model themselves off of. And not only will they feel like they're not alone, but they'll know that no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're thinking or feeling, that it can all be overcome. And yeah, those are the highs. That podcast has given me the opportunity to work with Jules and Robbie on the Man Enough podcast. Given me the opportunity to speak at events like this and share my story. But without, without the lows, without the ebbs, I wouldn't be here. And to give that pig of a man, that cheater, context. Throughout this process, I ended up back at Wheatstone, doing a four in one. I ended up experiencing depression, becoming suicidal, and eventually being evacuated from Wheatstone for being suicidal. Nine months later, my biggest support at Wheatstone took his life. 
I've been through the guilt of not once reaching out to him during that nine months just because I was so ashamed of how I left I went through a deep deep sense of self-hate that again made me depressed and suicidal and that forced me to acknowledge that as an eight-year-old I was introduced to porn and sex by an older guy I remember the first time it happened I was eight he put porn on he pulled it out and he played with me and I remember the last time it happened two years later I was in a hot tin shower I closed my eyes I can see it right now hot tin shower and he said we can't do this again or people are going to think we're gay and so what I've come to understand about those moments of impact is that porn and having sex with an older guy or being had sex with gave me this inferiority inferiority complex about my dick being too small and so I carried that and what better way to validate that it doesn't matter that you have a small dick than getting as much attention as you could sleeping with as many women as you could from porn I also had this unrealistic expectation that I needed to find the woman that I was fantasizing about since eight years old I only stopped watching porn about two months ago so from eight years old until then I wouldn't have gone more than three days without watching porn and so what I've realized about that is that I've had this unrealistic expectation of what a woman was supposed to be what a partner was supposed to be and that's why that high school girlfriend who was everything that I ever could have wanted beautiful smart artistic that's why she wasn't enough and that's why no woman up until now has ever been enough and with that moment and that guy telling me that people are going to think we're gay from then on and up until this point that I went to see a counsellor about it sometimes when I close my eyes I'd see his dick and if you're a guy and you close your eyes and you see that you can't help but question am I gay like am I gay and so what I've come to realise about that is that that is part of the driving force behind why I needed to cheat I needed to prove that I wasn't gay and without being vulnerable without opening up and without giving myself permission to work through these limiting beliefs and these moments of impact, the causes of those beliefs, I never would have got to this point where I had context as to why I was such a pig, why I was a dog. And the last one, which I'm sure is an underlying belief for many of you here right now, is that feeling of not being enough, that feeling of not being deserving of love. I had this moment with my father who was my hero who has always been my hero I had this moment with him back in New Zealand we went back to our, our village our Māori village and I remember saying to him when I left I could not care less if I didn't see you again every time you speak I just want to fucking uppercut you and he took it like a champ he told me he loved me and he let me go but that forced me to question why my hero had become someone I resented so deeply. 
And since that moment, I've worked through it. I've done breath work, done holographic NLP, done time-life therapy, and I've been able to go back to the moment that spawned that belief, that moment of impact. And that was him grabbing me by my head and trying to drown me in a bathtub. And from that moment, I remember thinking that my dad didn't love me. And over time, that turned into I'm not enough for him. And over time, that turned into I don't deserve love at all. And if you are someone who does not feel at their core that they deserve love, that they're not enough for anyone, what are you going to do? You're going to self-sabotage. And so, being able to work through all of these moments of impact, all of these underlying beliefs, to go back and to give that man context has been liberating, it's been freeing. It's given me freedom to move forward knowing why those specific things happened. It's allowed me to accept responsibility because I understand why I did them. No, it doesn't excuse it at all. I'm still ashamed of a lot of the behavior that I exhibited but it gives me permission to move forward as the person that I want to be. And that's the message that I want to ram home. Give yourself permission this weekend. Give yourself permission to be vulnerable first within yourself. Once you've done that, once you can be vulnerable within yourself, give yourself permission to be vulnerable with others. And in that vulnerability, not only do you get to heal, you show someone else that vulnerability is possible. You show someone else that taking that first step on that path towards healing is possible. And in essence, that's why we're all here. How much time? <laughs> How much time we got left? Oh, I don't know what that, what? <laughs> Alright, so for me, what I've come to understand about myself, my journey, the people that I've interviewed, and the people that I've worked with, is that there've been five, five key areas to go from pain to purpose. Number one being mindfulness. Who's heard the thought, who's heard the, the saying, thoughts become, what's that? One minute. Okay. Shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll just give you the brief overview. If you want to know more, hit me up. Um, five steps. Pain to purpose. Mindfulness. Thoughts become things. But they become feelings, words, and actions. They don't become end goals. They don't become objects. Thoughts determine your behavior. Therefore, determine your interaction with people, the world around you. And therefore, determine the way that you live your entire life. Number two is self-awareness. Journaling. Add that to the end of each day. Post questions that are going to bring your awareness to the behaviour that you are exhibiting. Again, we can talk about this later. Through self-awareness and through questioning why you're exhibiting that behaviour, you cultivate vulnerability. Like I said, first within yourself and then as you get comfortable enough with, with others. Three is identifying the beliefs and causes. You're pretty lucky that you get to do a lot of that here now. 
identifying the belief and identifying that moment of impact or those consecutive moments of impact that spawn that belief. And please do that with a practitioner or someone who can hold space for you because revisiting leads to re-experiencing and that's more than likely gonna be traumatic. Number four is reframe and recreate. Reframe the story. Look back at it with those more empathetic, vulnerable, self-aware eyes. See that person for the hurt soul that they are. See them for the person who just did not understand how to express themselves and send them love for not understanding how to express themselves. Recreate. Visualization and affirmation, which I'm sure you're gonna learn this weekend. So I'll skip over that. And then number five is teach. One of the most important ones. Teach. And that means turning up authentically you. That is why I did what I did today. It's not enough to just turn up and tell your story. It's not enough to just turn up and say what you feel you need to say. You have to be authentic. You have to be real, genuine, and honest. And when somebody comes back to you and they tell you that you're the reason that they changed their life, you're the reason that they're still here for their kids, that's when you know you'll you'll have turned your pain to purpose. This is Angel Rain. So if you listen to that story, uh, you'll know about her. And you'll know what happened between me and her mum. This is my little angel, my little princess. And what I've been doing is instilling her with positive beliefs. Because one day she is going to understand what happened between us. She's going to understand how how much of a pig I was to her mum. Is it boring? (laughs) And... Um, I'm instilling her with those positive beliefs so that when she finally does have to work through that trauma, it's not going to be so much of a process. 